What is up, guys? Welcome back to a, another episode of the Wizards Podcast. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. You probably know him from Wizards Twitter. If you're not following him, I don't know why you're not following him. He gives great takes on the Wizards. He's a hoop head. He knows what he's talking about. Um, so I'd like to welcome on Damo. Appreciate you for you for uh, coming on the pod. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me, man. Uh, just, just happy the season is back on, man. Let's get into it, bro. Yeah, so as you mentioned, the season the season's back on. We have two weeks from today. We'll be in Indiana to start the the regular season two years in a row in Indiana. We won last season. We'll see if we can get off to another good start this year. But the season unofficially started last night with the first preseason game. Um, a lot of good things happened. Granted, the, the Cairns Taipans of the NBL, the team we played, I could probably start for them. You could probably play for them. They were they were not even better than a G League team, let's be honest. So you got to take what you saw with a grain of salt. But you know, watching watching last night, what was what were some of your takeaways from the game? Yeah, I mean, the, the takeaway was they're really bad. Cycans. <laughs> I mean, they're they're really really bad. They could at times they could barely get it up to court. Um, but I mean, in watching games like that, I try to take away not so much the score or the opponent, but I, I try to take away like style of play, um, traits, um, and, and just how they're trying to attack a particular team. Um, you know, so for specific players like Bilal, for instance, like I, his, his stat line obviously defensively was amazing. But beyond that, you just saw the instincts, his ability to quickly react to the ball, that quick second jump, the the just natural athleticism. Um, that to me is stuff that translates no matter who you're playing. Um, and so th- those are the type of things that I that I look for, which is why, you know, I feel like pretty early on, he's going to be the best wing defender on the Wizards. Um, and then, uh, you know, some of the other things I would say Kuzma. It was definitely one thing that was evident to me is that this is Kyle Kuzma's team. Um, you can see with how he was dictating the pace a lot. I felt like he had the ball more in his hands than either, even Tyus Jones did, um, kind of dictating the offense, making sure guys were where they were supposed to be. Um, and and then Jordan Poole, I, I like that he was just aggressive. Um, right out the gate, getting into his bag, um, it it wasn't, in it, but it was within the flow of the offense. I felt like it was it was to get that three ball off. Um, it was quick decisions. It wasn't him, you know, out on the island trying to dribble twenty times to get a shot off. It was one two moves, get a shot up or make a read. Um, and then I just like the pace of play. Uh, one of the things I, I just annoyed me with how they played last year was the slow pace, bringing it up, stopping fast breaks, and trying to run half court sets against a uh, you know a set defense and I felt like that played to their their own disadvantage so um I'm expecting to see a lot more pace in space this season with with what Wes has said with some of the players have said um and based on what I saw last uh, last night you mentioned pace I was literally just going to bring that up I t- I was discussed I talked about my discuss with it last year you talked about it a lot as well Monte Morris would get the ball, he'd become a snail, he'd slowly move the ball up the floor, and then he'd just, you know, pass it off to KP in the post, and we'd run a bad half-court set, and I saw, there was one play last night where they hit a three, and then I saw Bilal get the ball, get it to Tyus, pass it up the pull, and we hit a three within maybe two to three seconds, and that happened multiple times, it's not just that one play, 
there were so many instances where we were just pushing the ball and pushing the ball. And that's what happens when you have a bunch of young athletic guys on the floor at all times. Like fucking Gafford even brought the ball up one time. Like we have, yeah. we have yeah. so many ball handlers. We have so, we have so much talent offensively. And, and I'm excited <laughs> to see us just keep going, move the ball. If we had played at a faster pace last season, we wouldn't have made the playoffs, but we would have been a lot better because teams could just figure us out in the half court sets. We we were really stagnant at times and we could have really benefited from someone like Tyus who gets everyone ready, pushes the pace, gets people good shots. He had five assists and he played 20 minutes and and that's against a team that's not that good. So I really like the pace. And, and another thing, I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but Johnny Davis looked okay. I'm not going to say he looked really good, but he started five for five. He had 11 points in the first half, didn't score much in the second, but he seemed poised. He seemed under control. He was really good defensively. If if you were looking at him play defense, he was really good at moving his feet. He got a couple of deflections. He had a big block on the back end. So him and Bilal, him and Bilal are going to be really interesting case studies to, to watch this season, not only from a playing perspective, like a minutes perspective in terms of how we play them as compared to guys like Shamit, other guys like Kisberg, Denny, how we can allocate minutes. Because, look, we played like nine deep in the first half. West said he wants to get an eight to nine man rotation. And you got to figure Denny didn't play. Shamit didn't play. Um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. didn't play. Like, there's a lot of guys that are not going to get minutes. And I don't know. I don't know who's going to be the two or three that are the odd men out. But it'll be interesting to see if we decide to play young guys over talent or we decide to play talent over young guys. Uh, and that leads me to to my next question. What is your philosophy, I guess, for this season? You know, in terms of player development versus trying to win, you have a lot of guys like Poole and Kuz that obviously like they're here to win. These guys aren't going to play to lose games. We know that. But it's also when you're rebuilding, when you're trying to accumulate draft capital, losing isn't that bad of a thing as well, especially if you're losing in ways like Kuz said, where you're developing talent, you know, guys are getting better and you're not losing just because, you know, you don't have talent like we did last season. You're losing because you're developing guys, you're playing the right way. What is your philosophy in terms of playing Bilal and Johnny versus guys like Shamit and, and Kispert or, or older guys? Yeah, I think, I mean, all the guys on rookie contracts to me need to play. Um, this isn't a tanking situation, which to me is just kind of like, you're just play, trying to play the worst possible players possible even if you don't see a future with them. Um, this to me is just just development. And I think there's a middle ground where you can develop your young guys and compete and build habits, establish culture. Uh, so for me, that means Kispert and Johnny Davis should definitely be playing over Landry Shaman. Um, like it's just, there's no, there's no future with Landry Shaman here. Uh, not anything that that's serious. Like I'm sure he could play a role, but uh, but yeah, there's there's no future with him on this team. So why why are you playing him this year? Um, when you have young guys with similar skill sets at his position that offer more upside and um, de defensive uh, ability. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I, I would stick to that philosophy across the board. Um, developing the young guys: Kispert, Johnny Davis, uh, Bilal, Denny. Uh, they need to play, play them, play them as much as you can. I would even give some minutes to to uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, I even like the Rollins kid. Um, play him. I mean, what do, what do you what do you have to lose here? 
Uh, this year, I think, is a, is a transition year to figure out what you have. You got to make a decision on Denny's contract. Let's let's find it out. Throw him in the deep end. Sink, sink or swim time. Um, and let's see what you have with, with your young guys. Yeah, so let me say, first, obviously, I agree with what you're saying. I am inclined to play guys like Bilal, guys like Johnny above Landry Shamit and, and some of the more veteran players. But what would you say to people that would say, you know, Landry Shamit has trade value. You you might be able to get a, a late first round pick, a couple of seconds, maybe a young player at the deadline from a desperate team. It might be a reach, but just guys like him, Muscala, Gallo, if you play them over guys like Bilal and Johnny, at least for the start of the season, you can accumulate trade value and get capital. Whereas if Shamit's behind Bilal and Johnny not playing, do you still think you're going to be able to get something for him at the deadline? I think talent evaluators, they're they're smart, right? Like GMs are smart. The same way we, we're going over what guys' values it is, like right now, these GMs do this 24-7 all day. And so I don't think their value, you know, I don't think the value for Landry Shaman is going to change between now and February, whether he plays 30 minutes a night or 10 minutes a night. Like he's he's viewed as a – he's a career backup two-guard and in some cases, a third guard, uh, you know, specialist shooter. That's not going to change if he's putting up numbers on, you know, a uh, uh, bottom of the conference wizards. Um, I think at most you're looking at maybe a second round pick for him or or he's salary filler in a bigger tree. But I'm, I'm not expecting much return on those types of guys. Uh, Mike Muscala, who's been pretty much a career third string big, I'm not expecting much. I would say out of the vet guys, the guy that would probably get you the most from a contender would be like a DeLon Wright. Um, and, and the league knows what he is. Like you saw it last year, you saw his importance to the team's defense last year, the record without him. Nothing he's going to do this year is going to really change the eval on him. So if you feel like you can get value for him, then trade him now. Because I don't think it's going to change in the next four to five months on guys to have, you know, seven, eight, nine years body of work on who they are as players. That's fair. Uh, I'm also, I mean, I agree, obviously. I, Like I said before, I don't want to see Bilal and Johnny, you know, at the back of the bench, not playing, what, like waiting their turn for some reason, as if we're playing for the playoffs or playing for a title because we're not. And I also, I talked about this on my last episode, but the fact that Wooj has even been considering sending them down to the G League, getting them reps just so that guys like Shamit can play. I'm also against that. I understand Bilal could benefit as well, like Johnny did from the reps there, especially offensively. But I think he's ready. I don't I don't think he needs to be in the G League. I think you can get him those same amount of reps against better competition. You can speed up his development process if he's playing in the league. What do you what do you think of that? Yeah, I was, I was saying this uh, in a group chat with a couple of the, uh, fellow Wiz friends, uh, fans. Um, I, I think the great ones, the, the good ones, man, they play they play early and often. Like, if Bilal is who we all believe he is as a, as a fan base, um, a guy that, you know, went seventh in this draft and, and a guy you looked at could possibly go top three maybe in next year's draft, if he's that guy, he should be playing now. Um, and he should be playing a lot now um i mean what are you what are you waiting on who who's in front of him at the small forward wing spot that you feel like has more upside or has 
<laughs> um, you know, a, a body of work that wants them to be automatically the starter. So for me, for this team, Bilal should be playing. Like, I, I think starting him is the way to go. I've been pretty much saying that since we drafted him. Um, he fits the one position skill set that we've been looking for for since probably since Karan Butler left, like mm-hmm. a legitimate two-way small forward that can get his own shot and can guard with the best in the league. Like that's athletic. We haven't had that in a in a really, really long time. So get him out there, play him. He was a wall last night. I mean they get they couldn't get around him. And granted, again, this team is not that good. There's a reason they're not playing in the NBA. They're playing in Australia. But at the end of the day, it's still a decent competition. And he, he's getting steals. He's wow. anticipating. There was one where they got a rebound. They inbounded the ball. And he was literally just waiting there, intercepted it, got a dunk. Like, he, he has great instincts, great IQ, great defensive instincts specifically. My one concern is in the offensive sets, especially in the half court, he's just he's kind of just in the corner. He's not a feature of the offense, which is what we expected when we drafted him. He's not developed offensively. He's still pretty raw. His shot isn't that great. These are all things that we knew when we drafted him, and we still traded up to get him. That shows how special of a talent he is defensively, how much potential he actually has. And I think he can reach that potential if he's playing against guys in the NBA. Look, he should have at least two to three, maybe four years before we're we're really competing for a title or really contending just to develop. Why not play him in the NBA? You can't play him in the G League for three years. You you want to play guys like him who need to develop against the best competition, <laughs> against the best players, and that's how he's going to get better. I don't I don't see the benefit of him playing against back of the bench guys like he would against Rollins and Patrick Baldwin Jr. If you're playing in the G League, he needs to be playing. And look, we'll talk about this later. I want to get your info input on the starters, but I've been pro Denny starting at the small forward for majority the majority of the off season. After watching Summer League and after watching last night, I'm I'm inching a little bit closer to Bolaw starting. It's a tough decision, obviously. I think Denny is still a better defender than Bolaw, at least right now. Not potential-wise, but right now. And offensively, I think he's better. That's saying a lot because Denny's not that great of an offensive player. If he has that shot, he will be. He'll be a really good asset. But you mentioned starting Bilal. Is that set in stone? Even if Denny's back, you think Bilal should be starting? Yeah, and I, I honestly think that role maximizes both players because I've I've always said I've, I felt like Denny is best suited as a four because then the pressure to hit threes is not as great. Um, and he has more of an athletic quickness advantage at that four spot versus trying to go up against the elite threes of the league. Um, and, and then coming off the bench, he's going up against, you know, uh, second units. And I think that's the opportunity for him to have the ball in his hands because if he's in the starting lineup, he's going to be sitting in the corner to a Jordan Poole, to a Kyle Kuzma, to a Tyus Jones, because those are going to be the primary ball handlers. Um, And I just think with Bilal, he fits that mode. That was the the role he played uh, in the big club, big French club next to Wimby. He was three and D. Um, And I don't think it's anything wrong with that because I think it's a – a lot of coaches view that as an easy role to transition into because you're not given, you're not taking the pressure, having the ball at the top of the key and having to make a decision, handling the ball with a defender on you, you know, in your grill, uh, making you go, you know, dri- making you dribble with your offhand. Like 
you're kind of just in the corner, kind of making reads, playing off of guys. Like that's a that's an easy transition. Um, and then as you as you get better, as you're as you expand your game in the offseason, you get reps in, um, you get some 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 real skill work in, then that role expands over time. Same way you see it with like a Macau Bridges. In in Phoenix, he was three and D, three and D. He mastered that role. And then you saw them expand it as they got into the playoffs. All of a sudden, he went from a 12-point-per-game guy to a 14-point-per-game guy. Now he's a 20-point-per-game guy plus that can handle the ball, create his own shot, run, pick, and roll. So that's a gradual thing, and it's it's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that if that's the development process they want to put Bilal in because I think it fits his game. Um, The same way I feel like with Denny, he's obviously better suited with having the ball but you're not gonna, he's not gonna have the ball if he's on the floor with Kuzma, Jordan Poole, and Tyus Jones. So bring him off the bench, let him run the second unit and kind of be closer to the rim where he can get it off the get it off the glass, push the break, find shooters, try to try to attack the rim. That's fair. Uh <clears throat> I'm still undecided. I don't I don't know if it's like a lose-lose situation. I think I'd be I'd be content with either starting. As long as Bilal is playing at least 20-plus minutes a game, he's in the yeah. NBA, and he's getting those reps, I'm fine with whether he starts or not. My only concern is that this is also an evaluation year for Denny. And I know a lot of Wizards fans, a lot of Denny fans, they want to see him play. They want to see him start. They want to see as much as they can before we offer him a long-term contract. With him coming off the bench, I don't know if he's going to be in in a, a role big enough for me to say, you know what, I think four years, $50 million is good enough for this guy, especially when we're rebuilding and we can move on. It might make it a little hard for me to want to commit that much money to Denny, whereas if I see him starting and I see him working really well with guys like Kuz and Poole, guys like D- Daniel Gafford, I might be more inclined to to give him that contract extension. I might have more of like a sample size, I guess, to to be able to pay him. So that's that's something that I don't yeah. I don't necessarily know if it's best for him to come off the bench. But I do agree. I've also I've also been a proponent of him playing the four. As you mentioned, he doesn't have to shoot as much if he's playing the four. He can spend a little more time in the paint where I think he's best. When he gets two feet in the paint, he's he's good if he can finish, if he can make the layup which he was better at last season than, than the last couple of seasons. But it's definitely something that we'll have to consider. And obviously the first four starters are pretty set in stone. It's just been the small forward that we've been talking about all offseason. So we'll, we'll see what West decides to do. And West has a lot of decisions that he has to make. But he said he wants to trim it down to eight, nine guys. I think we have 11 to 12 guys that I am still considering in this rotation. There's there's a, the set in stone guys, you know, pool, coos, Gaff, um, Kispert, Denny, uh, and you know guys like Gallo, and and you you go with Tyus Jones at the point guard, Delon Wright. That's about eight guys, seven eight guys that I'm I'm pretty confident will be there. And then you get to the fringe guys on the outside, like Bolaw and Johnny, where they need to be in that eight nine guys. Uh, and yeah. I don't know if they're gonna be, and it, it's tough to say. But there's also the decision about the roster. They have 17 guaranteed contracts. They have 15 guys that can make the roster. In my opinion, I've talked about this in a couple of, of the articles I wrote. <laughs> Anthony Gill, Xavier Cooks, Ryan Rollins, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Those are my four guys right now that are on the bubble. If it were up to me, I would keep the younger guys. Yes. I mean, this is about a rebuild. This is about 
building sustainable success. And I don't, I don't know if I see Rollins or Baldwin Jr. in our future either, but I see them more in our future than I see Gill and Cooks. So I, I am more inclined to move on from those guys. And, and Gill getting that hamstring injury that might hold him out for the preseason. I don't know if that really helps his case, but if it's up to me, I'm, I'm going with youth over, over the veteran experience. I don't know what you think about it, but that's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm feel the same way, man. Piggyback off what I said earlier, like. <clears throat> You got to see what you have with your youngins. Um, Patrick Baldwin Jr., uh, Ryan Rollins, they were part of the, the Bradley Beal deal. Um, and I think they have some talent. Like Patrick Baldwin can really shoot the ball at 6'10". Um, he he kind of – I think, you know, Kyle Kuzma is like the perfect mentor for somebody with his, his skill set um, at his size. Um, Ryan Rollins, perfect player to to to, to kind of understudy a Jordan Poole. Um, you know, they have similar makeup, how they want to attack and play, um, kind of combo guards. I I think you gotta roll with those guys, man. Um, that that's that's what I would be doing. I'm I'm not keeping Anthony Gill or or Cooks over those two guys. No way. Not for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't I don't see the point of making sure Rollins is included in the pool trade and then trading mm-hmm. the fifty seventh pick for Baldwin Jr. just so they can be here through training camp. Right. There's a possibility that you try to cut one of them and bring him back on a two-way, but that gets a little shaky because they have, to, they have to want to come back. They might feel a little bit disrespected. Like, I should have made the team, and now I'm going to be back to the two-way role. I'm sure someone else would offer them a contract to maybe be their 15th man, at least keep them for that potential. Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's the best avenue. I think retaining them is smart. I don't think anyone's going to be chomping at the bit to get Anthony Gill on their team. I don't think <laughs> – I don't think too many people are going to be, you know, Xavier Cooks needs to make my roster. It's just they're no. 28 and 30 versus what, like 20 and like 21. It's just, it seems like the easy, easy, easy answer for us, especially at the the point that we're at in our rebuild. So yeah. I'm glad we're in agreement on that, that, that we would, we would get rid of Gil, we'd get rid of Cooks and we'd side with the, with the youth here. And that's just what this rebuild is about. Like just because a guy is more talented, doesn't mean he should be playing, you know, when we get to the rotation, I'm more inclined to go nine, nine or ten, just because we have so many guys that I want to get minutes and so many guys that I think should be playing. But I also just don't I'm not I'm not a proponent of going that deep. I think you should have a solid eight to nine guys that you can bring in and play. And, and I think we definitely have a solid eight to nine guys. It's not great compared to a lot of other rotations in the league, but we have solid NBA players that I can I can fill eight to nine spots with. Are you more inclined to go with a shorter rotation and, you know, try to play the most talented guys as many minutes as possible? Or are you going to go nine or ten deep, try to get, you know, Bilal, Johnny, and Shamit all in there, try to get as many minutes uh, as possible for guys? Yeah, so the uh, it's tough. The, the rotation, I, I, I've been kind of going back and forth on because I don't know what West's intentions are. Like, is he coaching for his job or is he is he fully embracing the youth movement? trying to develop guys. Um, I'm going to say if he, if he's going development, I think, I think the rotation has to be, let's say, I mean, obviously, you know, Ty Jones, who Kuzma Gafford are the starters. Let's say they do go with Bilal as the fifth starter at the three spot off the bench. You got to figure DeLon is going to play. 
is it Johnny Davis or is it Shamit? I think if you're going development, you got to go Johnny Davis. That's a top 10 pick. You got to figure out what you have there. Uh, at the backup small forward, I think you obviously you go you go Kispert. Um, backup power forward, obviously, is Denny. And then at the back of five, it looks like it's going to be Gallo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's your that's your ten man rotation, and then pretty much everybody else kind of falls in. If it's an injury issue or if a guy misses time, uh, you can get minutes that way. But but outside of that, I think that's probably the the, the ten man. So you going ten deep? Yeah, I mean for an eighty two game schedule, ten guys are going to play. Um, as you get closer into competitive ball, playing basketball, that that ten man rotation will, will go down to nine or eight. And it, and if if when when that ha- if that happens, uh, then you'll probably see Gallo probably doesn't play as much, and probably ooh, maybe Johnny Davis. Um, I'm not sure, but yeah, if you're if you're going, you you're gonna have a ten man rotation for an 82 game season because it's just you just you're not gonna be able to play guys 35 plus minutes. Um, over 82 games, guys are going to get hurt. So you're going to have 10 guys that play. And it'll get easier as the season goes on. I think we we trade a lot of our players at the deadline. So come February, we should have so much more playing time, so many more spots open. So yeah. all these guys are going to play an increased amount of minutes, which is why I'm not going to be sweating it too much if, if you know, Johnny and Bilal aren't playing 30-plus minutes a game to start the season because I know they're going to get a really good amount of, of playing time towards the end of the season, February, March, April. They're going to get, for about two and a half months, they're going to be primary starters, hopefully, on this team. And I think that's the point of this rebuild. Like, you accumulate a lot of assets, a lot of veteran players through the trades of Brad and Porzingis, and those guys are going to be here for about half a season. And, and I think we're going to move on from them, and then the rebuild will will truly start. So it's going to it's going to take a while, obviously, but I think Johnny and Bilal will get their playing time over those last couple months. And hopefully they're getting at least 20 plus minutes with with the NBA guys as the season goes on. Uh, and, and as we talked about, Wes has a lot of big decisions on his plate. Does he want to go eight deep, nine deep, 10 deep? Who is the odd man out on the roster? Who's getting cut? You know, does he go for youth over talent guys like johnny davis over shamit because look like johnny davis is not better than landry shamit not even close in my opinion i think landry shamit helps this team a lot more than johnny does but i would like johnny to play because that's just the smart decision from the rebuild stance that we're at so wes has a lot of decisions and you mentioned you don't want him coaching for his job and that's that's why i'm I'm not happy about exercising his fourth year option, but I understand where Winger and Dawkins are coming from. Look, you don't want a lame duck coach. You don't want a guy here that's just going to be looking over his shoulder, trying to play guys like Shambit, Muscala, Gallo over a bunch of your younger guys because he doesn't want to get fired if he loses five straight games. The fact that he has has some stability here, he knows that he won't be fired even though the team is going to be pretty bad. I think that allows him to exercise a little bit more patience. It allows him to play a bunch of the younger guys and take take that philosophy that I I think we should be taking the slow methodical approach, play the young guys and develop them. So that's that's the the pros of it. The cons, the dude is 70 and 94 through two seasons. He shouldn't he shouldn't be 90 and 74. His rosters weren't that good, but they were good enough. They were good enough. He should have at least made the playing game. He should have at least been 
from seven to ten in the East. I thought we had a roster that was good enough to maybe crack six, but the guy was outside of the top ten both seasons with Brad, with KP, with Kuz, with the the ten and three start in twenty twenty one. He hasn't been good. His track record is bad. He underachieves. He blows leads. He can't adjust. His game plans are shaky. And you guarantee him another season. So all of, all of that being said, I'm inclined to trust Winger and Dawkins here. They've done a good job so far. They give me no reason to not trust them. But I am a little bit skeptical of the fact that this guy's going to be leading the first two years of the crucial first two years of our rebuild, leading our development process when he is 70 and 94 through two seasons. What do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I I think it's fair to say that he's he's underachieved the last two years. Um, if you look at the roster and where they they fell, um, where they fell uh, to finish the to finish the season, you got three twenty point scores and you can't even make the play in. Um, and then prior to that, you know, you had a deep roster that we all lamented as one of the deeper rosters Tommy had put together. Um, and again, you 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 know. You, you couldn't make the play in like that's that's crazy. Um, and guys, you know, complaining about roles and fit and not knowing where they're supposed to be. So that to me is a reflection of coaching. <clears throat> I think I, I'll give him credit, though, that I feel like this this offseason was kind of an inflection point for him. And he, he did a full eval on some of his blind spots from last year, namely the pace thing, because I remember last year when he talked about pace, he correlated it to defense and was saying, you know, high pace offense usually means you're giving up more points defensively and you're giving your opponent more opportunities to score. Um, and so philosophy wise, he thought it was better to play slower uh, pace basketball so that you can, you know, kind of keep the game mucky and you can play better defense. And that kind of, that kind of blew up in his face. And I think, you know, now he's, he's kind of, done a 180 on that so that to me lets me know that he's not uh stubborn in his approach he's willing to grow as a coach he's going to have to grow just as like just like these young players on his roster are going to have to grow with him um and i'm not opposed to seeing what he does in year three um in a possible year four um because i do i was a fan of the hire um, I, he was he was one of the more qualified assistants that mm-hmm. was available. Um, everybody spoke highly of him. You know, the, the, the national, the, you know, the the world champion uh, Nuggets there had him on staff, spoke glowingly of him. So I'm not mad at the hire. I'm not going to pretend like, you know, it was a bad hire from jump and we should have never brought him in. But he's going to have to show something. He's going to have to show something in year three. And that's not it's not going to look like wins and losses you know it's it's going to be on how the players speak of him as far as their roles and how how they execute um within games versus just a straight up win loss record i think it was also tough on him coming into a situation where he was expected to win right away i feel like that's always a little bit tough on a coach maybe you start out you know not necessarily understanding how to control the locker room how to really bring the guys together and as we saw in 2021-22, he lost the locker room. I think all of these things in his first two seasons have been, as you mentioned, a learning process, you know, a real reflection point for him as to how he should get better, uh, you know, what he can do to improve as head coach. And he's going to have, just like the players are developing, he's only in year three as a head coach. He's still developing. And I, I always liked when the coach goes through the rebuild with the team 
We saw in Philly, Brett Brown was there for the first bit, and then he brings them into the playoffs, and and they underachieve. Not necessarily all on him, but I just like when they when they let a coach see it through. So I hope that Wes is here, and we hopefully give him another contract because that would that would signal that he's doing a pretty good job at what he at what he had to do for the next two years. But the the real selling point for me is the fact that he's not going to be playing. Hopefully a bunch of the older guys over the younger guys. And if he is, and if Shamit's getting minutes over Johnny Davis and Bilal, this, this this would just be for nothing. I think the the real genuine reason is Dawkins was probably like, look, we, we are rebuilding. We do not need to be playing these guys that won't be here past the deadline. Play the young guys. And Wes was probably like, I will, but you can't fire me if we play bad. And then Dawkins was probably like, okay, I will pick up your fourth option, for your fourth year option. You'll be back next season. You have... You have a solidified fourth year. Now do what we're telling you to do and try to develop talent instead of playing guys. And I think it works out for both parties. So I'm inclined to like the move and and hopefully it works out. But that leads me to some of the prediction parts of the season. Look, we're in the beginning of the season. Last season, I'm not going to lie. Obviously, I'm pretty optimistic, slightly biased. I thought we would make the playoffs. I predicted that we would make the sixth seed. I said we would win 45 games, 45 and 37. We ended up winning 10 less games. Um, and, and look, if we had like if we had kept that win streak going, we don't blow the leads to the Blazers, the Nets back to back. We don't go on that 10 game losing streak. Maybe we're sitting close to that, but look, that's part of the season. That stuff happens. Uh so I'm gonna put my, my hand up, take accountability. That was on me. That was a bad prediction. But this season, I'm I'm inclined to to let you go first, because I don't want to – I want to hear what you have to say before I go. What does Vegas have them at right now? Where they 24, project? 24 and a half. Which will have them like – what, they'll be – they'll have like the worst, bottom two record or the worst record? Yeah, they have the lowest uh, win total. Man, I definitely think I'm going to smash the over on that, man. Facts, yeah. Um, Same. I'm going to put them – I'm gonna put him right at thirty. I'm gonna put him right at thirty. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I, I right now I'm at twenty eight. I'm also, it's tough because I I was at thirty three, but <laughs> I just I think we're gonna be the biggest sellers at the deadline, and I think we're gonna we might be like what like twenty and like thirty or something by the trade deadline like twenty and thirty five. We're not gonna be that good, but we're just going to trade all of the players we need to win games. And when, when Johnny and Bilal are starting, Danny's playing really heavy minutes. We're asking a lot of these guys. I don't know if, I don't know if they can sustain that success. I thought there's going to be a pretty big drop off from the first half of the season, the second half of the season. Uh, And look, 28 wins is not, it's not the end of the world. Obviously it's not a great record, but that would put you in prime position so probably be in that top three, have the same exact odds to get the number one pick. And look, this isn't a great draft class compared to next year's with Cooper Flag and Boozer. But it's still it's still very talented, and there's still really good talent, especially in the guard position. And you can definitely get some guys that will be here for the long haul. So that that would be my prediction. Who do you think is your – who's your sleeper for the season? A guy that no one's talking about like they should be talking about, and, and they're going to break out. They're going to be a really good contributor. On the Wizards? On the Wizards, yeah. Or just in general. Uh, uh, man. Um, that nobody's talking about? 
I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Gallo, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I said it. He had I said it a couple of weeks ago. They had posted some clips of him shooting ball, and I was just like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if if Gallo was like the third leading scorer on the team. You know, uh, going into you know going into the meat of the season, going into the deadline, if it was like Pool Kuzma Gallo as the top three scorers on the roster, um, it that wouldn't shock me at all. I like that Gallo was Gallo was also mine, but I'm not going to take the same one that you did. So I'm, I'm going to switch it up here. Delon is not talked about as much as he should be talked about. I feel like a lot of people forget how important he is. We right. were 26 and 24 with him. What were we like nine and and something without him? We went on a ten game losing streak. He he's not going to score a lot of points. He's not going to be an unreal offensive player, but his ability to impact the game defensively and just impact winning as a whole is something that is slept on that not a lot of people talk about. And come the trade deadline, he might be the guy that gets you the most assets if you decide to move him. I don't know what a team like Atlanta was doing because that's the perfect backup point guard to Trey to Trey Young. Great defensively, can hold his own on offense, and they just didn't use him for some reason. He comes to the Wizards, he shows why he belongs in this league, why he's an important player. So come the deadline, I think he might be the guy that gets you the most assets, and I think he's going to be a really good backup to to Tyus because Tyus is an offensive-oriented guy, very good assist-to-turnover ratio, floor general, and you bring in not a polar opposite, but a guy that excels defensively and can hold his own on offense. I think they're going to work really well together. So mine would be Delon, yours is Gallo, and then my last question: over under, over under four and a half Wizards traded at the deadline, at or before? Ooh, uh, you say over under four and a half? I'm gonna say yeah. Under. It's tough. It's tough because like I think <laughs> I think Gallo, maybe Muscala, Shamit, um, and and you know, I yeah. I don't I don't really know who you trade after that. Maybe Tyus gets moved. Delon. It's three that I think definitely get moved, and then there's some that I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they're going to clear the the cupboard of all of the vets, mm-hmm. but I, I would say probably one or two. Okay. Um, but I, So that's why I say under on that four and a half. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, before the deadline. I, I, I Yeah. I, and I think, it's, I think one of them is going to be somebody that is kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Danny? Ah! wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that but possibly but possible possible who would if you you said one or two guys like who who do you think is definitely going to be moved at the deadline who are you pretty confident about definitely moved at the deadline i'm gonna go landry shamit definitely Mm. yeah i agree i think i think gallo as well gallo's up there in age but i think like you said he's gonna play a lot he's gonna be really good and maybe a team wants to trade us a late second for him. Look, we're he's not going to be here for the long call. We're going to part with him for whatever someone gives us. I feel like he can be a nice addition at the end of someone's bench, especially in a playoff rotation. I don't know if Muscala is going to play enough to warrant somebody to trade for him. Right. I also don't know even if he played enough, if somebody would trade for him. But I agree. Shamit is a, a definite. I would, I would like to hold on to Tyus. I know a lot of people think that we should get ample value for him. I just think he's a great point guard. I think he he's the guy that I really want to lead this team. And he's he's in his ninth season. He's not that young. I don't know if he fits our timeline as well as some of the other guys, but I really do like him. And I wanna I wanna see him here for at least a couple of seasons. 
So it'll be interesting to see what we do at the deadline, but that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Again, Damo, appreciate you for, for coming on and joining me. Where can, where can people find you? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, obviously my, my Twitter or, or X, uh, mm-hmm. Damo8186. Um, you can definitely check me out on the pod with my man, Brendan, co-host. Uh, it's in my bio, which is a gallery place podcast, uh, where we get into the season, man. We're going, we got some good stuff coming up this year and I'm excited to get started, man. Yeah. I, I co-signed that. I, I've listened to the, the podcast for two years now. I don't know how long, but I've been listening to him and Brendan for a while. So make sure you guys go check him out on the pod, on Twitter. If you're not following him, I don't know what you're doing. He's very insightful, always has great takes, really knows Wizards basketball. So, again, appreciate you coming on, and and this is going to be the the end of the episode. Uh, See you guys soon.